Um, I got thinking today, um, you know, I've been in ministry for over 30 years, a little over 30 years. For over 25 years, uh, I've been, me and Darlene, I, I just really thought about it today. Me and Darlene have been blessed to be involved in every place we've been to some aspect of supernatural aspect of the kingdom. I don't think I've ever, um, even when I was, this is a sad thing, even when I was religious, there was still a manifestation of the supernatural kingdom. So I grew up in, in miracles. I, I grew up in deliverance. Uh, my grandfather, uh, Myers, was, was big on deliverance. He prayed for people to be delivered all the time. So when I got saved, it was a natural part of who I was. It was just always a part. And so the reason I was thinking about that today, I, I got thinking about, Lord, you, you think I'd have got it by now. Like you, you, you think I would have arrived like I know how this works. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're Israel and you're, you're 40 years in the wilderness at a trip that should have took 14 days, around the 28th year you're going, we may be missing something. And so I find that um, sometimes it's, it's not that God doesn't do things. The, the intentionality of God is always in to invite us. Uh, he's always invites us into something. Now, whether we get it fully or not, that a lot of time depends on us. But the reality is, it's the heart of the father to give his children good things. It, it, it's the motivation behind God's heart. So even when we don't feel like we qualify, you know, I don't give my kids good stuff only when they qualify. If that was the case, Noah would have nothing. I'm just joking. He knows it. I can pick on him. He's, got, he's bigger and stronger than... Abby go, I can't believe you said that about me. I wouldn't do that about Abby, but I'd say that about Noah. So um, God's kind of got me stuck on this of re, um, revisiting um, not just accounts that I've had in my own life, but the purpose and the intentionality behind those experiences. Because we, we uh, can really miss the intentionality of God, especially when it comes to supernatural aspects of the kingdom. And so... Um, I want to talk a little bit about tonight, and and I'm not going to get to both, but I'll probably talk about the first one. I want to talk about the intentionality behind promise and prophecy. Okay? Promise and prophecy. Now, I want you to take a moment and think about, for yourself, think about, um, if I was to ask you, what what, what do the promises of God represent to you? What's the purpose? What's the intent? What, what door do they open up? What's the intentionality that God is putting forth? And, and say prophecy. Maybe some of you are here, you know, you get somebody like Noah or some of our prophetic team get up and they start prophesying over people and you're like, I don't know, I'm not sure about that. Well, it's just, you know, it's a simplistic exhortation of the Holy Spirit seeing you through the eyes of God saying this is who you are and this is what God desires for you. And it's simple, but we complicate it all the time. So if I was to get up and say, you know, the Lord told me to exhort a couple of people in here, you'd go, okay, cool. Well, the Bible says the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of exhortation. So sometimes in the spiritual world, we put titles and we put labels and we put expectation on things and we define what they look like. But sometimes it hinders us from going into something bigger because we have a preconceived idea of what it's supposed to look like. And so, you know, I say this all the time, especially these last two years, and, and I really say it from my heart, like God is speaking louder now than he's ever spoken before. And if you don't hear him, you're not listening. 
I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest, right? So, uh, you know, it's kind of like that selective hearing that you have with your spouse. You know, did you hear what I say? Yeah, well, repeat it. Um, 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 you know what? But you can hear the egg timer going off in the kitchen. And so we, we, we have this concept sometimes or we develop this mentality sometimes where we just go through the motion of stuff and we totally miss the purpose or the point of it. So for healing, some of us think the purpose of healing is to, just to heal people. That's one aspect of healing. That's not the key purpose of healing. We think prophecy is to exhort people. It is, and it's one purpose, an aspect of prophecy, but it's not the key purpose or aspect of prophecy. And we have this concept of even promise sometimes that can become so distorted that I personally think it's been a hindrance in my life because I'm never allowing God to adjust my lens to see properly what the intentionality is behind prophecy, healing, or, or, or the prophetic. or what. And I believe in all of them. That's not what I'm saying. I believe what is the key intentionality behind these truths. So if I was to say to you, how many of you have had a promise God spoke to you, you know, fulfilled this year? And I walked up to you and I said, uh, so, so what, what was the intentionality God behind the promise? Well, he did this and he did this and he did this and he did this. So how did that affect you? How many of you have had more than 10 prophecies over your life? Come on, don't be shy. How many, how many of you had 20 prophecies over your life? All right. Think about all the prophecies you've had. Now, if I was to ask you, what's happening with them and what do they mean to you? What impact? So, you know, we, we do this thing where we record our prophecies on the phone. How many times have you gone back and sat around for a day and listened to every prophecy that you've recorded on your phone? Because what you really value, you're very intentional about. I, I think one of the greatest hindrances to the believer's life is the, is the forgotten prophetic words or forgotten promises of God that God has placed upon us. And I think if we really knew the purpose behind them and the intention behind God in giving those things, it would shape the value that we have for those things. And I think that until you value something, you don't really get to walk in the fullness of what it looks like. And so one of the, the things the Lord spoke to me was, he said, Jamie, I, I kind of want to show you, and, I, and I, let me just say this, I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm just going to give you some dialogue over the last several weeks that I've had with the Holy Spirit and some thoughts I've had over this past week. But uh, if, the thing about it is I really felt the Lord say, if I could shift your lens and show you somewhat the, the real purpose behind prophecy and promise, what do you think that would do for your life? If I could give you a guarantee recipe, right? Right? You say, well, is there a guarantee recipe? I think there is. And I think it has a lot to do with focus. I think it has a lot to do with how we look at things. So God is always full of promise. He is always full of prophecy concerning you. It's, it's two languages. Two key languages of God are promise and prophecy. He constantly exhorts us. He constantly builds us up. 
But if we don't understand the power of these and the purpose of these, what happens is we just end up walking out a relationship with a voice that we don't really know how to respond to correctly to see the fulfillment of their intention for us. And I don't feel like God's calling me into a greater anointing. I don't feel like God's calling me into to more miracles. I don't feel like God's even calling me into more promise. What I feel as I've been looking over prophecy and promises is I feel like God's calling me into a greater place of intimacy. And it has nothing to do with my position here as a leader. It has to do with my own personal placement and the intentionality for God to allow me to really discover that everything about the kingdom is about his heart for me. When we lose that, we just become religious. We make it about the wrong thing. We focus on the wrong thing. And instead of us empowering us, it kind of stunts our growth to some degree where we never move forward. I, 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 you know, what the thing I love about Israel is God's intention wasn't 40 years in the wilderness. It was 14 days. It's really sad that we can jump into an invitation of God and God can say, hey, if you get this and you'll understand the purpose and reality behind it, you and I are going to be rolling in two weeks. It's going to be happening. There's going to be a new anointing. There's going to be a new focus. There's going to be a new lens. There's going to be a new awakening in your spirit, in your heart. And for me to drag it out 40 years kind of sucks. It stinks. We've had incredible prophecies over the church. New wineskin, new, what does all that stuff look like? What does it all lead to? So we started, I, I shared this verse last week, and I love this verse in John 20, 27. It's the sheep that are my own and are listening. This word listening means to hear something with thoughtful attention. So listen to this. You know what the number one problem with marriage is? Couples talking about their problems, but never making the change they're talking about. They have unintentional conversations. You know, when you always do this, it hurts me. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then you do it next week. Then you do it next week. And then you do it next week. It's called unintentional conversation or communication. It's me saying, if you're, you're doing this and it's affecting my heart this way, and if you would learn to stop doing it this way, it would really help me adjust my heart. And so Jesus starts off and he says, I know my sheep. One of the qualities of my sheep, they not only listen, but they listen intentionally. We're all sheep. There's mature sheep, there's dumb sheep, there's bright sheep, there's, I mean, there's different color sheep, and we're all sheep. Then you got goats, right? My brother Sheldon wrote a song years ago called, I Don't Want to Be a Goat, no. Goats got no hope. The whole, the whole song's about goats and sheep. So I really feel God's leading us. So he says, they are listening. They hear my own voice. They, they are listening. They're tuned in. They're alert. One, one translation of this word is to be alert to an expected sound. I'm not looking for a sound that's not there. I'm not trying to figure out how to hear God. God says, I want you to position yourself to understand you're my sheep. Listen, there's an expected sound I put out that I want you to hear. 
an expected sound, an expectation that God is speaking to me. And he says, they know my voice. I know them. And he says this, they follow me. Let me just tell you this. Until we learn to recognize the key element of hearing the voice of God, it's going to be impossible for us to follow him in a healthy way. And I'll be honest with you, I love everything about, about the kingdom. And this is going to sound kind of bad and good at the same time. I, uh, what I don't like is uh, being stuck in the same old, same old, same old. This is going to get better, I promise. I'm just kind of getting some of this truth out in the front so we can get into something real good, right? Because we want to come in and we want to have an encounter with God that we already know because it's comfortable for us. And it doesn't demand anything from us. Sacrifice is the scariest word in the church today. We run from it, but Jesus said, you have to offer yourself up as a living sacrifice. Everything you are. Sacrifice is simply putting yourself on the altar and watching what God does with it. And somehow we've convinced ourselves that that's costly. I, I got thinking about Jim and, and Sue this week, and I thought, to, I said, Lord, wouldn't it be cool? Like, for us, it's like, ah, oh, and it should be. But for them, it's like, yeah. They're in heaven. They're like, you know, yeah, don't take my, you know, I love it. You know, one of the things Jim said to me, he says, listen, don't pray for me to be healed. Like, I'm ready to go home. Like, I'm tired of this. And my nature is like, well, I'm selfish. I want you here for a couple more years. Sorry, I'm going to pray for you to be healed. You know? And so we, we develop these perspectives. But the intentionality of God, the stuff he does by intention or design, to your life individually is absolutely incredible. But the thing is, we forget that everything he does in our life is intentional for our design. He's doing some image stuff. Transfiguration is different than transformation. Transfiguration changes your whole appearance. Changes how you look, like Phil shaving his beard off. If he looks young, me and Chad are shaving our beards off this week. And I'm asking, Lord, for a little bit of that anointing. I want a full head of hair like when I was a rocker back in the days. Right? So intentionality is having an external reference. So God says when something, when you begin to listen internally, there's an external reference. There's something that shows up. That's a sign or an indicator that it's not about you, actually. It's about him. So for God, intentional, listen to this, is to reveal the inward heart of God, the inward heart of himself to us so it can manifest itself in its outward appearance or purpose. That's the intentionality of God. Everything I do, he said, Jamie, is, is, first of all, it's the inward work of my voice, my presence, who I am for you. I don't care if it's healing, prophecy, promise, what words of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, whatever it is. Everything first is internal, and then it has this external effect for its overall purpose. And one of the things we talked about was intimacy, advancement, growth, 
in God are always given with an invitation. God won't force you to respond. He doesn't, he doesn't coerce you. He doesn't do anything. That It's all invitational. If I'm missing God, listen, I'm missing God. God's not missing me. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that interesting? And, and we've got to be careful of, of any, any doctrine that we, we accept that, that tells us we don't have responsibility in relationship. Because covenant always takes two people. We don't have big. It's like he's got the big chair and we're down in the little baby chair. And that's the way it's designed. We're, we're to have that childlike faith that has this constant dependence on who the father is for us. So... If intimacy and advancement and growth in God is given to us by invitation, that means it also requires from us an intentional response, something that he gives to us. These are just a couple of things I, I, I talked on last week. So the doors we open and close every day decide the lives we live in. And I made this statement, decisions determine destiny. And it's so true. Any relationship void of response, listen to this, eventually becomes unfruitful. I would think, and this is my own, you're just getting what my conversation with the Lord is this week. I told the Lord, I would think after 30 some years of ministry that I would be so fruitful, I'd be walking around, my arms would be tired from the fruit that I'm carrying. Right? And I'm not belittling, I'm not fruitful, I'm fruitful. But you, you had to know that when Israel, after that, that short 14 day, got to the promised land and they were standing on the place of almost, there must have been something in them that said after 40 years, gosh, we may have should have took that step. A whole generation lost their inheritance. Now, and let me just say this. That sounds like the harshness of God. It's not the harshness of God. It's actually God already took the, listen, they went to the promised land in the time they were supposed to get to the promised land. They just rejected the invitation. The intentionality of God requires intentionality from me. So if my relationship is void of response, I eventually in that area become unfruitful. Why? Because every experience you're invited into, into by God produces fruit, not just fruit, but new fruit. New fruit. I have loads of, how many of y'all got some fruit in your life? Now, what's your new fruit look like? What's the new fruit you got? Or are you living on old fruit? Fruit you got last year. Revival you were in five years ago. A word you got five years ago. Promise you got you're still not walking in. So focus and intentionality is everything in the kingdom. You know, God is, this is a revelation for you, ready? You know, God is not boring, even though sometimes we treat him like he is. He's not boring at all. He's full of excitement. He's full of creation. So every experience invites us into fruitfulness. He's not on a long vacation after creation where he's only doing a few things. Every, every day, every moment about him is fresh in newness and creation. 
in our lives, in the planet, whatever it looks like. He's full of wonder. He's full of newness all the time. And he's still creative. That's all he ever does. It's the nature of God. And the worst thing that can happen to us is somehow create a God in our image from past experiences. Let me tell you what that's called. You ready? Because you may not think you've been there, but I've been there. Any experience you, you make, any, any image you make of God from the past, if you're not careful, can become religious. And you can tend to live in what was, but not moving into what is and what needs to be. And so the, a, a big part of the intentionality of God is, is to reveal some things to us about our lives, about our hearts. So we're not constantly putting this tag on God. When you meet my standard of what I think it should look like, I'll respond. There's lots of times when I'm in service, especially when I go home. You know, it's funny, when I go home to Canada, all the services I do are healing services, physical healing services. And, and you would think from all that experience of some of the things I've seen that healing would be an, an easy thing for me. But still, when the Lord speaks to me about praying for people to heal, I'm still running through of what it's supposed to look like for me on my past experiences. And sometimes that works. God honors me in my own stupidity sometimes. He's just kind like that. He hates to see me shame. He hates to disappoint the people that I'm praying for. But the reality is sometimes God says, hey, what if I don't want to do it that day? Is that the way you do it? Is that the standard you're going to hold me to? Or can you just trust the promise that I heal and leave all the other results to me? And, and you know, um, one of the key things about religion, you hear me say this all the time, is it constantly adapts. We have a move of God and, and, and we go, yeah, we, we're, we're the ones in the community who God's speaking to. Nobody's speaking to anybody. And no other churches has got what we got. I mean, we, we've got it going on because we're this, we're this, we're this. We've just stepped from encounter into religion, Right? And we do it with new revelation. Hey, so I grew up in, hey, if you don't believe what we believe, go somewhere else. And God advances us in the father heart of God and we have all these encounters. And then we get to a place where we're saying, hey, if you don't believe what we believe, go somewhere else. Why? Because that's what religion does. It adapts. And so I want to talk a little bit um, about promise. I'm not going to talk about promise. I'm going to share some thoughts on promise. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, this is the Passion Translation, says this is why the scripture says things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things that God has in store for all his lovers. Right? I should have been playing a good love song while I was reading that. I'm going to kiss you all over or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but I want you to think about this because let's define things never discovered, things heard of before, right? Beyond your ability to imagine. Let me ask you this. Has that happened? Some of it. 
But does that mean what's happened to you is it? Or is God still doing things we've never discovered? Is he still speaking things we've never heard? Think about it. Is he still desiring to do things beyond our ability to even imagine? You can imagine the greatest thing that could ever happen to you in God, and then God says, oh, you're, you're cutting me short. So what we have a tendency to do, because we're not experiencing these moments, because we judge moments by past experiences, they rob us of new seed. They rob us of new invitations. Because sometimes it's so hard, and I'm talking about me, not us. I'm talking about me. Sometimes it's so hard for me to get past what I know into what I don't. Because I have this standard and belief system set up over here that becomes the greatest hindrance to my identity in the kingdom. It's not God's will for us to ever miss moments. It's not God's will for us to ever miss seed moments. His will is for us to have them. But we have to submit to them with our will. It takes two wills to have an encounter. That's why in marriage we say, I do. Some the more modern translations say, I will. There's that commitment that you have to make. That two people coming together. And promise and prophecy are seed moments. I don't know if you've ever looked at, at them before, but they are seed moments to experience the fruit of the Father's heart towards you. It's so much more than just me giving you a word. The word is great. So you go, oh, wow. But when you begin to see it as, as the actual heart of God speaking to you, it carries so much value. You, you actually start going, Father, what an incredible prophetic word. Uh, help me walk in that. I don't know what it looks like, but, but help, help me walk that out. God, that, that's an incredible promise. Your position, promise positions you. It gives you a stance in the kingdom. You're positioning me. Father, help me to be more about your heart than I am about the actual promise you're speaking. More about your heart than the actual prophetic word that you're speaking. And what happens is something comes alive in you. Not only do you get the word, you get the manifestation of the Father's heart behind the word. That's when you begin to change. That's when your mind begins to become renewed and refreshed and empowered. You begin to see him differently. You begin to see yourself differently. And all of a sudden now, you're actually walking with a renewed mind. I'm, I'm one of these question guys. I question God all the time. So if, if we live in sowing and reaping truth, then seed time is absolutely necessary, right? I, I heard this saying one time. It's a, it's a great saying. I can't remember who said it. They said, you can count how many seeds are in an apple, but you can't, how, you can't count how many apples are in a seed. So which is more powerful? You can count how many seeds are in an apple. Have you ever done that? 
right? But you can't, help, you can't count how many apples are in a seed. You put it in the ground, it grows a tree. It's going to be year after 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 year. So should our focus be on the apple or on the seed? Are we more into the fruit or are we actually into the seed? I know they work together. Well, if I had more apples, you had more seeds. Great. But what should you do with the seed to begin with? If you get the revelation of the purpose of the seed, the fruit is unbelievable. I mean, it's a simple truth, but it's reality. And I think for me, the reason that I can miss these moments is because I miss the value of the true value of promise, prophecy, and the seed that's connected to them. I, listen, my phone is full of recorded prophecies. Identify with me, right? And if you were to say to me, what do those prophecies mean to you? Man, they're so encouraging. Is that it? Is that the level of intimacy? It's like you and your wife, you know, laying in bed and she goes, I really like you today. Oh, that's very encouraging. Thank you. <laughs> so you love me Fridays and Saturdays. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm really, that's really encouraging to me. And sometimes we, we treat this stuff with that intention. And what we value, once again, you're going to be so intentional about what you value. So watch John 10 and 27 again. The Amplified says, the sheep that are mine, hear. This is the, this is, uh, uh, it's uk o uk o is the name in, in Greek or Aramaic. It means to give an audience for the purpose of understanding. To give audience for the purpose of understanding. So he says, the sheep that are mine here and are, not was, not was, or when, but are listening to my voice. They know me. Listen, there is no knowing him without understanding the value of his voice and promise and, and prophecy and words of knowledge. And, and I'm not saying you don't value that. I'm not, I'm not spanking you, rebuking you. Anyway, I'm just trying to get you to the, the, the greater truth of what these things are about. His voice, presence, it leads and invites us always into our full potential in the kingdom. Sometimes I'm after the fruit more than I'm after the voice. Sometimes I focus on the promise for what the promise gives me, not what it holds and the value of the person giving it to me. Right? It's really quiet. Hopefully you're getting this. So listening here is to hear something with thoughtful intention, to be alert, to catch an expected sound. Expectation of the new is vital to our growth. I want you to think about this now. Expectation for the new, not what you have, not what you've had, not, not, not what you've been constantly getting. There has to be an expectation in, in us for the new. Me and Darlene say it all the time. The hardest thing about us for the last journey, for the last 10, uh, 10 years is all the unlearning. We've learned a lot, but there's a lot of unlearning connected to the learning that we had to ditch to make room for new seed. 
that ground had to be recultivated because there was some seed maybe sown in that place that were not necessarily healthy seed, seed I grew up with in, in religion and legalism and that were still holding on to a certain part of me, what I used to believe compared to what I'm now believing. It's not my whole life has changed. I'm just saying, sometimes when you go through your garden, you've got to pull some weeds out. I was having a bad thought about somebody this past week. You want to know who, don't you? But I'm not going to tell you. The Lord made this statement. Me and Darlene laughed so hard in the car. I said, I was thinking about so-and-so. It made me so angry. And the Lord said this. Listen how funny this is because he likes to cut up with me. He says, people's grumbling and complaining and gossip in your life is just manure to your grace tree. I went, Lord, you shouldn't talk about people like that. <laughs> but think about it. Think about the moments we miss to tap into something that we're not tapping into because we miss the value of the moment. Right? Whether it be negative or positive. Why do you think the disciples said, I count it all joy when I experience temptation and tribulation? There was actually something at work in them in that moment that they saw that somehow we don't see in some of the moments that we have. It, it produces something in us. So I, I said this quote last week. I think it's a very powerful quote. It says, the church's obsession with avoiding disappointment has given the seat of honor to the spirit of unbelief. Read it again. The church's obsession with avoiding disappointment has given the seat of honor to the spirit of unbelief. Now, let me tell you what I heard when I, when I read this quote. This is what I heard. Because we've set the standard of how God should move, when he doesn't move that way, we're disappointed. That moment, we open up our hearts to unbelief. Because he doesn't do it the way he's done it before, I mean, if you follow Jesus' model of healing the sick and casting out demons, it's probably different than what we do a lot today. As a matter of fact, I don't remember ever Jesus screaming a message at anybody. Unless he was just trying to be heard. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see him jumping over a donkey and saying, and doing a certain stance. I, I mean, I never saw any of that. And I'm not being mean, I'm just being real because you know why? We make stuff about what it's really not about. We make promise and prophecy sometimes really not it's what it's about. We make it about us, and the first priority of those truths are about him and discovering his heart position towards us. And when we move from that place, the full purpose of what he's showing us or giving us as an experience can explode and affect our heart in a way where we begin to see him differently. Let's face it, God doesn't do miracles and healings to prove how powerful he is. I've said this for years. He does those things to prove how much he loves us. How much is there that he does that we don't see it as relational? Actually, when everything he does is relational. Right? 
So he's pulling us, he's wooing us into this place of new wine. He's pulling us, all these, all these things. He's pulling us into this place of a new discovery of who he is for us. If we had our way, this is what faith would, if I had my way, this is what faith would look like for me. Are you ready? Show it to me first, then I can believe it. Wouldn't it be cool if faith was that way? Give me, I want to pull that people out of a wheelchair. You show it to me, Lord, and I'll believe it. We can do that with past experiences. Lord, if you'll do this, 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 I'll know it's you. The Lord says, what if I don't do this, this, this? Is the promise itself enough? Right? Is the word that he's speaking to you enough? Or do you have to have something you see? Because if you see it, you gotta see it. It's really not faith. Right? Israel, I mean, you want, you want to get a, a real revelation of bad focus? Look at Israel leaving Egypt. I mean, the Egyptians and the people were so put out by them, they were running out and like, here's our debit cards, here's our new purses, and here's my Rolex. I feel something on that. Hold on a sec. Just right there. I'm just joking. I'm messing with you. <laughs> Don't give me a Rolex. But can you imagine? I mean, they were so frustrated. They are the richest slaves in the world. Think about that. They have all this stuff happening. They got, they're led into the wilderness. They're, they're, they're called towards the promised land. And by the way, they actually made it to the promised land. They just didn't cross the boundary. They got to the promised land. Some people say, yeah, Israel, mister. No, they got right to there. As a matter of fact, they were camped at the border of Canaan while spies went in to scout the land out. What was God doing? God was checking to see if they could handle promise correctly. Why? Because focus is everything. When they got back, the majority of them's focus was the problem. The giants. Had a met, not, the, here's the pro, basic. They didn't take God at his promise. I'm going to take you out of that. And I'm going to put you over here. And I'm going to open up that. And I'm going to walk you through this. And I'm going to provide you supernatural food. And I'm going to do all this stuff. Not to mention when they were in Egypt. Think about it. I mean, they had walls around them where it was like flies on this side of the wall and fleas and frogs and nothing on this side of the wall. It'd be like, let's have frog for supper. You know, you could reach over here and get a couple of frogs and pull them. Think about the supernatural ability to, to control millions of fleas, millions of locusts, millions of frogs. This whole thing is supernatural. And soon as they get into the place of moving into the fullness of promise, ASAP, quickly, they had wrong focus. As soon as possible, their focus was off. There's giants there. This is my question. How could you miss the benefit of promise even after seeing all of that? 
Let me tell you how. Seeing, is it, seeing in itself carries no true value necessarily to relationship. The thing that moves us into the kingdom is the heart position. They saw it all, but totally missed the heart of God behind it all. So there's this call, this challenge. It's beautiful. And Jesus calls us into all. He calls us into, I love this in Mark 12, 30. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with all passionate heart, all your heart, from the depths of your soul. Listen to this thought. With every thought. How can I do that, Lord? With all your strength. This is the great supreme. This means the highest in rank or authority commandment. What's the greatest aspect about everything God does? Prophecy, promise, miracles, signs, and wonders is to develop in us this hunger for this intimate love relationship with the king. See, when it doesn't, when it doesn't go according to our our uh, personal developed doctrine. What happens is we, we begin to exclude ourselves from the growth that God wants us to experience, the intimacy he wants to pull us into. And I'm talking about my own life. So I, I, I'm not, and I'm not in this confusing place. I'm just in this place, and darling, let me tell you, at home, I'm just into this place like, Lord, like, like, what am I missing? So if God spoke to you and said, empty your bank account out and give it to the church, calm down, I'm not saying that. Let me ask you this. Would you need a sign? You know, the Bible, in the New Testament church, the Bible talks about a generation that seeks signs. And the supernatural, to some degree, can become dangerous for us because it causes us to have incorrect focus. And I am supernatural to the core. But to realize that I can come and go after for who he is for that and not for his heart positions me to miss my growth moments of pure seed, planet where it needs to be planted. Every revival, every revival has been birthed by people passionate for him, not for signs and wonders. Let me say it again. Every great move of God on the planet has been, has been birthed by a people that were passionate about the heart of God. It had nothing to do with gifts, signs and wonders, prophetic promise, none of it. That actually... That stuff exists. Promise, prophetic, exist in presence. That's where it exists. Right? The honey, the grapes, the milk existed in the place of promise. Canaan. And here's Israel. I mean, Israel's here. Uh, Egypt's here. I mean, they're just... They're like a, a small jog 
apart from each other, and there's this big wall. Can you imagine standing, looking at this, um, you know, uh, infestation of flies and frogs and locusts and disease and plague? And you're, I'm, I'm here looking at you, and you're covered, and I've got nothing. And yet still miss that God's voice is saying, do you really know how much I love you? I can look over my life and see moments where I've walked away without the revelation of love, but just a revelation of signs and wonders. We'll define that. Well, it becomes about us. It comes about just what we see. Let's be honest. How many times do we come in church because we don't feel it? Because we got this certain feeling that we get when God shows up. Oh, oh, I feel it. Oh, my gosh, I feel it. But if we don't get that feeling, God's not here. Right? Let's be real. If I don't feel it, Lord, I can't worship. I just can't worship because I don't, I just not feeling it, Lord. That's not how it works. Focus is past that. Focus is when we corporately come together. And Father, you can do whatever you want, but tonight we're after your heart. You don't have to heal one person in the house. Your heart's enough. You don't have to give one prophetic word. Your heart's enough. You don't have to do any signs and wonders. There doesn't need to be any drum solos. There doesn't need to be any prophetic words to our, our piano player that's already married. You just do, I'm just joking, Noah, whatever you want. Because our focus is on you. I literally feel like I'm going through the biggest lens shift I've ever had in my life. And I can't, and I'm, that's not a boast. I'm just, and, and, and I, I would love to say it's great. It is most of the time, but sometimes it's uncomfortable. You know, sometimes we get uncomfortable with affection. You ever been uncomfortable with affection? I've been uncomfortable with affection. Yeah, you can love on me and cuddle me. Just don't do it in public. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know people said, yeah, my husband never kisses me in public. You don't want to kiss me in public. Well, break that wall down. Start necking in public. <laughs> That'll break it down. Listen, think, listen, think of the manifestation of deep intimacy that would come if I displayed my heart for the one I love all the time. Now, don't get in the gutter. I'm talking about just connection. So Jesus says, I need all. It's the first primary. Listen, you can't get around Mark 12 and 30. You can't get around it. You, you understand that, right? This is the foundation for who you are in your relationship with Jesus. 
You can't get around this. You, you can't go around this to get to the fullness of what promise means. You can't go around it to get the fullness of what prophetic means. You can't go around it. This is the qualification. You are to love the Lord Yahweh with all a passionate heart from the depths of your soul with every thought. When, when I first met Darlene, she was on my thoughts all the time. Anybody remember those days? You're like, yeah. When, when you first met that person you fell in love with, it's like, oh my gosh. People always laugh, always tell the story. You know, I, I was a big hunter, still am a big hunter and fisherman. And um, I knew that if I was to love somebody, one of the key signs for me loving somebody was I would be willing to give up hunting and fishing. And, and for many years, till I was 27, I couldn't find anybody to do that. I actually was engaged once, and a girl told me, well, you know, you'll have to give up hunting and fishing. I said, well, let me see that ring. And I threw it out the window driving down the highway. And my dad said, you got to get this hunting and fishing thing under some kind of grip because you're not going to get married. <laughs> and when I met Darlene, I was like, you know, I like to hunt and fish you, so I'm okay with you hunting and fishing. I went, all right. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know? But what happened was eventually... In the beginning stages of our marriage, it, it got to a place where hunting and fishing didn't matter as much as her. There, there's that intimate moment where you actually commit your heart, you commit your thoughts, you commit your soul. It, it's the supreme rule of intimacy. You want, you want to heal your marriage? Commit your heart, commit your thoughts, commit your soul. We want counseling. It's simple. I can give you a three-step counseling. You want to restore your marriage? Commit your heart. Commit your mind. Commit your soul. Think about each other. Tell each other what you're thinking. Talk the language. You know, you realize how God discovered that Israel couldn't handle the promise properly? Their language didn't match it. Because here's Joshua and Caleb. They didn't have to see anything. They were like, let's go in, it's ours. And Jesus is going, I really like these guys. These guys are the guys that I really wanna, I wanna, I wanna hang around a bit. Everybody else is talking the opposite of promise. They're whining, they're complaining. The water tastes bad. Sometimes we open ourselves up to the wrong position mentally in our hearts, in our view of what's happening. And it causes us to lose the proper expectation we're supposed to have with purpose, with purpose or prophecy. We actually create our own resistance to growth. I've learned over the years, I've created my own resistance to what God wanted me to grow in. I can look around this room and I see people that have gone to our school. I've seen people that have been in this church and you've had supernatural, I mean supernatural encounters. Here's my question. What has that done for your heart? Are you more in or are you less in? Are you more hungry, less hungry? Are you more passionate, less passionate? This journey I'm on is not for you guys. This journey I'm on is for me. 
I just hate it's taken so long. I, I envy Brian and these young guys. What they're, what they're coming into, the revelation they're getting, the, 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 the presence they're encountering. I've often said to the Lord, Lord, this last 10 years, I wish I'd have had that when I was 27. Here's the cool, the kind intention of God is he always invites you into the journey. He's always intentional. But he allows you to choose the level at which you walk. You walk slow, you walk fast. You walk with the right values, you walk with the right hunger. So he does things to us that he, sh- he doesn't really have to do. Here's what he does. Listen, he always puts promise next to problems. Always. Why? It's his nature. Every problem you have has a promise from God next to it. It would be like Josh or me or or Brian with our kids or anybody has kids. When, When Abby's small or Noah's small and he comes to me and he needs something, as a father, my nature is to respond. As a mother, the nature of a mother is to respond. Oh, oh, let me help you with that. Oh, you hurt yourself. Oh, you're this. Oh, oh, you want that or you want our nature, overall nature, is to respond with good. Noah doesn't come to me when he's six and say, Dad, can I have five dollars? I don't say, get a job. You lazy. It's not my nature. It's not like, well, let me just see first if I think you really, it's just my nature. I just say yes. I release it. I'm developing his identity and his relationship with me. So the nature of God is he always puts promise next to problem. He makes sure that every problem that you have in your life comes with his own provision. He's kind like that. What's he doing? What's he doing placing promise to everything and provision with everything? Because sometimes we don't feel like that. And sometimes I think we discount ourselves because we look at it from past experiences, our own ideas, our own uh, doctrines, our own. We're not open to new, so we can never fully move into what he has for us. And we create this space. I've learned this. He's either everything I need and all fullness or he's not. Listen, he has a desire to heal everybody. I know we have theologies that God only heals some people. That's our perspective. Healing is a part of the atonement. By his stripes, right? Just something. By his stripes, we have selective healing. So I only have one question about a lot of scriptures that I'm reviewing right now is, okay, why am I not walking in this? Am I seeing this from this angle when I should be looking at it from this angle or this angle? There's just this loud cry. for fresh intimacy. He's already intimate from our ends. Fresh intimacy. A couple more thoughts, I'm gonna pray over you.
trying to figure out how much I want to give you here without hurting your feelings. Hmm. I want to give you a couple of scriptures here that I think are powerful. One of the things I, I love about, about promise and when we design them, I, I was thinking about 2 Corinthians 1 and 10 that says, all God's promises are what? Say it out loud. All God's promises are? Okay. So what is your part in the promise? Yes and amen. Mostly all the promises of God do not give us a path. There's not like, hey, all my promises are yes and amen if you'll do this, 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 this. I know you've developed this theology because for me it's like, okay, God, if I'm not experienced, what am I doing? What am I not doing? Well, maybe if I do this, 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 I've got this track. I'm not saying God don't tell you sometimes, hey, take a step. Think of Israel's possession of the promise was a step. One step. I'm in. Why? Because you told me back there, you'd walk me across. You'd open up seas. You'd walk me through plague. My clothes wouldn't wear out. You'd feed me from heaven. And you promised it. So I'm just going to trust that you promised it. Every step was them was leading into a promise, not knowing what was next. So it's simple. It's simple. It's simple as just coming into this yes and amen condition that we have. We're going to have diversions. We're going to have distractions. And it's up to us to not allow those things to rob us of identity encounters. So listen to this, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. It says, we can all draw close to him. Who? Who can draw close to him? With the veil removed from our faces. With no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We all become mirrors. Sometimes we read this scripture in the negative, that we're looking in a mirror and we're not seeing who we are some, to some degree, but God, he twisted here. Holy Spirit says, no, you're going to become this mirror reflection, this transfiguration. We're being transfigured. That word transfigured here means to give a new and exalted and spiritual appearance into the very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. Listen to this. You realize that the word brighter here is clarity? In the Greek and Hebrew, it means clarity. You, you, I'm going to take you to a place where you're going to have such clarity that you're going to move from glory to glory. Now, just, I want to share this, but this word glory. This is not the same definition of the weight of glory in the Old Testament. The weight of glory of the Old Testament is kabod. It means the weightiness, the heaviness, or the magnificent weight of God. Here it simply means praise. Here's what he's saying. My process for you is to reveal, listen, signs, wonders, miracles, promise, all that stuff to do one thing so that you get such a, a picture of me that it just takes you from glory to glory. In other words, you go deeper into praise and worship and gratitude. When you do that, it be, you begin to actually take on my image. You begin to mirror who I am. I thought about this today. I realize this, that promise puts presence on display. 
Doesn't put me on display. Doesn't even put the person that's being ministered on. Promise in itself puts his presence on display. But it's, it's a twofold coin. Because presence brings promise. Right? So I have promise. I'm moving in promise. Yes and amen, Lord. It's your presence. You said you're with me. When I step into the belief, the proper belief of that, what he says is what he says. He told Israel, I am that I am. What I am, I am. That's what one translation says. Whatever that is, I am that. Now tell the people that I'm that. What's that? Whatever they need, I'm that. I am that, I am. He says, when you get that revelation of my heart towards you, what happens is as you move through life and I begin to manifest myself in that revelation, you now are moving with presence and those promises fulfilled put my presence on display for everybody else that's watching. And it pulls them in to gaze upon my glory in such a level where you're no longer seen anymore, but I am seen. And that's the key issue. That his heart is displayed in such a way. Everybody in this room, wherever you work, whatever you do, people should be com coming up to you constantly and saying, you're so different. Something about you. You're so kind. You never talk about bad about the boss and he's, he's, he's not nice. You're just different. I remember when I first got saved, it blew my drug buddies and drinking buddies out. They didn't know what to make of it. I had guys pick fights with me. I, I used to love to fight before I got saved. Guys would pick fights with me intentionally to see if I would fight. And it got to the point where I was like, what's going on with you? What's happening? I just, hey man, I just found Jesus. I've got this relationship with Jesus. Now I lived a whole year with the name Billy Graham and Rex Humbard. You may not know who Rex Humbard is, but some of you older folks would know who he is. That was okay, but the reality is when things were going wrong, guess who they came to? When they needed somebody to talk to, guess who they came to? Why? Because Jesus put himself on display through my life. There's something to be said about first love. There is. So here's a word the Lord gave me, and I'm going to pray. I'm gonna give, he gave it to me, but I'm going to give it to you. There's something about you that's irresistible to God. Let me say it again. There's something about you that's irresistible to God. Listen to this. There's something about your situations that's irresistible to God. Why? Because he's the ultimate father. And I was sitting on the sofa this week and I was saying, Lord, like, so what does this look like? He said, I just want you to know there's something about you that's irresistible to me. I could choose to stay away, but I can't. There's just something about you that's just irresistible. Oh, well, I must be looking good. If my wife come up to me and said, hey, there's something about you that's very irresistible. I would say, I still got it. <laughs> I'm kind of like Abraham, you know, when he was going to have a baby and he had to have that special anointing. Yeah. Because, you know, it wasn't immaculate conception. 
Well, you know that Sarah and Abraham hadn't been fooling around probably for a while. You know, 90, 100. God's like, Abraham, you got to get busy. There was no Viagra back then. It was like, I need a special anointing, Lord. And it came. The situ was, that situation was irresistible to God. Why? Watch. He was birthing promise. And promise is always based on intimacy. It's always based on intimacy. And this house is full of promise. Every life in here is irresistible to God. You are so full of promise that God is just saying to you, if you just give me all your heart, your thoughts, I want to move in your life. I want you to stand. Go ahead and stand for a minute. We're going to do something here in a minute. I want to make sure that I'm going to do it. There's so much here. There's nothing that God does in our life as far as promise goes. Promise is never rescued based. It's not for the purpose of rescuing you, res rescuing you from something. That's what we think promise is. Promise is, is just him rescuing us from something. That's not the base of promise. Promise's base is love, period. It's just love. Promise is just base. It, it's, it's like God saying, I got all this stuff and I want to give it to you. Why? Because you're my children. That's what fathers do. That's how we move. So I was asking the Lord, you know, I always ask, sometimes we'll just have the altar team come up and we will in a moment. I, I was asking the Lord, so I, I don't know, who, who's on the altar team tonight? Let me, put your hands up. Let me see your hands. I'm going to each come up, stand around with me because I want us to do a little bit of prophetic up here. I'll have Brian come up, some of our pastoral staff. Um, So I, I want us to, I want, I want us to do some prophetic tonight. Is that okay, over you people? And um, but I want us to do promise prophetic. What's that look like? Okay. So uh, when God spoke to to when Moses spoke to the people of Israel about leaving Egypt, it was both prophetic and promise. You, you get that right. So it was like God's delivering you. He's calling you out. Da, 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 da. The promise was he's taking you to a place you've never been before. You're going to have something that only belongs to you. You didn't own it, but you're going to own it. And he's going to do this, 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 this. And I know sometimes people think that's a word of knowledge, but I think promise and prophetic sometimes operate together more than we think. So what would that look like, Pastor? I, it would, for me, it would look like me calling somebody out and say, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying about you, how he sees you in this season. And this is the purpose why he sees you for it. There's a promise connected to it. So I gave, I gave a word to Noah tonight when I was, it was so funny, I'll share it, Noah, but if you don't mind me sharing it. So I was on my way, I was on my way to, uh, to church. And for some stupid reason, 
I got thinking about Disney. And, and uh, you know, and of all things, I'm thinking about Peter Pan. You know, it's like one of those thoughts. Hey, just think about Peter Pan. I'm thinking about Peter Pan. And so the Lord gave me a word for Noah. I said, you know, I said, the Lord sees you as Peter Pan. And right now you're living in the land of wonder, but you're about to fly. And in your flying, God's going to give you a sword. And that sword is going to be a piercing truth that pierces the heart of a generation that's coming up that pulls them into a place of God they've never been before. So it's prophetic and it's promise. So it's prophetic with the purpose behind it. This is how God sees you and this is what God wants to do. You guys okay with that? So I just will give you a, a, an idea of that. So I want to pray over you first and then we're going to open the altars up. I can get you to help me move this right quick. And if you have to leave, you just go ahead. Don't, no shame, no guilt, leave. Yeah, I'm going to pray over them and then I'm going to release them to come up. So I want to do something first. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be sneaky. Listen, um, I, you know, I, I, love, I love how God deals with me because you know, I, I think through everything. I process through everything. I don't jump in really quick. I, it takes time. And the Lord constantly speaks to me in my Nacho Libre language. He really does. And so a lot of times I'm thinking about something, and he'll say, it's a lie, Stephen. And I go, okay, Lord, that's a lie. I, I, won't, I won't receive that. But I was thinking today, and I was just asking the Lord about what he wants to do. First of all, I want to ask you, how many promises have you had? I want, this is where you got to really be honest. How many promises have you had that you don't remember? You know, a little part of them. You have a promise. God gave you a promise. You got you to respond. If you don't respond, it doesn't work. You've had promises. You had promises. God was going to do this with your life. God was going to do that with your life. But you haven't been thinking about those promises. Let me see your hand. Okay. So I'm going to pray over you. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God in the spirit to recall promise into your life. Some of you have had promise that you've had fulfilled. And some of you have promises that are partly forgotten about. And some of you have promises that you're not really asking God to, to reopen that door so you can walk in it. So then you're going to come up, and I'm going to ask these guys to prophesy over you. It's going to be fun. It is. It's going to be like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's going to be cool. So, But I'm going to ask God to download promises you've forgotten. Promises that you've put a format on of how it's going to happen that God says, you got to let that go. Your job is to listen to the phone, focus on the promise, not on the process. All the promises of God are yes and amen. We always love process because we can imagine, we can even fantasize about how it's going to happen and miss it. Right? So if I said to you, hey, I prophesy over you, God, God's got a promise that he, you're going to be wealthy and, and I prophesy over you that God's leading you. Immediately, you're going, okay, I know exactly how that's going to happen because I've done this week and this week I did that and last week I, forget all that stuff. Just, just, just take in the promise. When you hear the promise, here's what I want you to do. Thank you, Father, that you love me that much. Lift your hands up. I'm going to pray over you. And we're going to open the altar. Please don't leave without coming letting these people minister to you tonight and speak into your life. And we may need a couple extra people up here. No, I don't know if you, 
we need to do that to make it. Bert, if you want to come up, and Laura and you and Bailey down that end, we'll get this party started. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, I speak forgotten promises into existence right now. God, any place we've placed incorrect trust, we repent of right now. We ask you right now. We ask you right now to rebirth promise. Instantly, let us recall promises you've spoken into us that have not been fulfilled, promises we've laid by the side that, Father, have not been reacted fresh within our being with expectation connected to it. Healthy expectation. Do it right now. Promise right now. When you're ready, just step out, come up, let somebody up here minister to you.